Well, the question I have for each of you is, if you ever met someone, the more you get to know them, the more you find out all the things that they've done in their life, perhaps different places where they've worked. I've met a few of those, and I'm not talking about the fact that maybe all of us had several jobs throughout our lifetime. I'm talking about someone who seems like every time you turn around, oh, they did that, or they did that. I've run across a few of those. Uh, The first thing that comes to my mind is, wow, you can't hold a job, can you? (laughs) But, But I don't think that was the case with these certain individuals. The second thing that comes to your mind is um, maybe this person is fabricating. <laughs> uh, I remember talking with Scott Kerber some time ago, and he was sharing about a fellow that just would fabricate about everything. And so he, oh, I did that. Oh, I know him. <laughs> I'm not talking about that either. But I'm talking about someone who, for one reason or another, has done all sorts of things, and the experience they have then the experience in life and the experience that of the things that they can do is amazing. In other words, you get to know that person intimately and get to know their character. In a way, it's very similar when uh, Stella Cox comes here. She never tells us the same stories over and over because there's always new stories. And then this time, we found out that there were things that she never told us before that she had done as far as ministry goes. Well, I bring this up because that's what we're going to do today in our introduction to 1 Timothy. We're going to look at Timothy's background and the many places that he went in ministry, Uh, if you will, a bibliography of him to know a little bit who he is. We always spend, I always spend a week or two in sermons on the introduction. It's very, very important. If you're going to rightly interpret the passages of a book, you do need to know who the author was, to whom it was written, what was the occasion for it being written, what are some of the situations in the background. Um, you, you really do need to do that for to study this. And by the way, I make no apologies for studying the Bible here. I make no apologies for preaching while we study the Bible here. I'm an expositor. That means that I take from the passage and give you what the passage says. I'm not trying to give you my opinion of it. That's, that's, uh, that's not exegesis. That's eisegesis, putting it into. So all, all, or should I say, many Bible churches, and, and certainly the pastors that we've had here, all have done the same thing. They're expositors, and that's what we want to do. However... Before we get into the exposition, we will spend a week or two in this introduction to Timothy. Now, before we begin, let's just bow in a word of prayer. Father, as we come before you, thank you not only for saving us, but for giving us your word. And even in this epistle or this letter, this pastoral epistle, It's going to say that the church is the pillar and buttress of truth because the church gives out and teaches and equips from the word of God. And so, Father, we ask that that will be done in our study of 1 Timothy, beginning with these introductory sermons, Lord. I thank you, Father, for everyone here. And I I pray, Father, that you use me, guard my lips, not only in truth, but also in powerful application by the Holy Spirit. 
I pray for those who are here and listening as they go through this, that they, they will glean many strong things to be applied not only to the church, but especially to their lives, Father. So we ask that the Holy Spirit will do his teaching ministry in and among us and then, Father, through us as we go out and minister as well. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, there's a couple of things that I want to go through, and you can follow along with in the notes. But first of all, I want to say that this 1 Timothy is part of what's called the pastoral epistles. There are general epistles. Uh, there are gospels. Those are types of genre of the Bible. But this is the pastoral epistles. It's made up of three books, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. So they're thrown into that. So what, what does it mean? Well, it's not a pastoral manual per se. Uh, I had a class that was uh, pastoral polity in Bible college. And at first, I didn't really know what that was about. Uh, I just knew that, you know, I wanted to be prepared for a pastor. Well, it was a hands-on course of how to do certain things as a pastor that you normally don't get taught, like how to baptize. So we actually went to a baptism at a church for one of our classes, and we got to baptize each other. That's why I do it so well. That's, that's why we have not lost one person yet. <laughs> but but these, are, these letters are pastoral. They're pastoral in that Paul teaches and talks about doctrine, so important. But he also talks about ecclesiastical instruction, instruction that applies to the church and its principles. And then he also gives personal encouragement to these men, to these young pastors. Timothy was eventually became the pastor of the church at Ephesus, and Paul gave him personal encouragement in these two letters. So this is what we see, that these letters are written to those whom Paul was not only nurturing for ministry, but developing for the pastorate. Now, just in case you think that this is just about pastors and churches, let me say this. And though it is that, and though I need to pay attention, this is also for all believers. Uh, all scripture is given for our example and for our instruction. And there is a lot of things that Timothy is told to teach the church and, of course, then that's the responsibility of the church to learn those things and apply those things. So that's where we're going with this pastoral epistle. As you know, there are two letters to Timothy, the first Timothy and second Timothy. And it's written to a young man by the name of Timothy. Paul calls him a young man in the, this epistle. And the name Timothy is very interesting. The name Timothy comes from two Greek words, Tume, which means honor, and Theos, which means God. Timothy means one who honors God. Now, we just got done talking about David, a man after God's own heart, and we did a series on that. And I think we could draw the conclusion David was a man after God's own heart in spite of all of it because we've gone through all of it. Timothy is one who honored God in his life and in his ministry. And so I, I, I'm really excited. 
Now, this next part is the part that I really want to key in. We'll probably take most of my time to look at the background. So, in other words, we have the pastoral epistles, we have the title, Timothy. Uh, we're going to look at the background, and then we're going to look at Timothy's ministry. We're going to get to know Timothy. We're going to get to talk to him, so to speak, and find out, oh, you were here? Oh, you were with Paul then? Oh, you did that? So I'm really encouraged about this. Now, let's look at his background. Who was Timothy? Where does he come in in the Bible? Well, we first find out that Timothy was from Lystra. And Lystra, so we'll pull up a, a map here. Uh, Lystra in Asia. Uh, and on Paul's missionary journey, he went through Lystra. On his first missionary journey, he went through Lystra. And it's Asia Minor, part of Turkey today, modern Turkey. Um, and he preached the gospel. Obviously, Paul preached the gospel. That's why he went on his missionary journeys. And many people came to Christ through many cities. Well, when he was in Lystra, um, we know that Paul converted Timothy's mother and converted Timothy's grandmother. Now, we know this especially from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. So I'm going to, uh, there's a lot of verses we need to look up. You don't have to look up this one, but there are some that I'm going to ask you to look up. He says in 2 Timothy, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. So in Acts chapter 14, when Paul was going through that area, he was preaching the gospel and there were many converts. And then it's interesting because he would go back on the second, second missionary journey and he would strengthen these churches. He would build them up. And at some point he would get the, a church going there with elders and then a pastor. And so this is what we see. But it's at this time, this time, the first time in Lystra, we believe that Paul also led Timothy to the Lord. We find that from the scriptures themselves. Now, I will ask you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, since that was already read this morning. Notice what he said. He's writing to Timothy, but he says, Timothy, my true child in the faith. Now, why would Paul say that? Well, it's his child in the faith. He was the one who shared the gospel and led him to Christ. Later on in the epistle, he says, Timothy, my son. Well, he's not literally his son, but he is his spiritual father. And then in 1 Corinthians, he said, For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. And then even in 2 Timothy, when he says, my beloved son. So this leads us to believe that not only was Eunice and Lois, his mother and grandmother, saved, but he also was saved at that time. Well, Paul then finishes his first missionary journey, and on his second missionary journey, he goes by Lystra, and Timothy is there, 
and Timothy has grown and matured in the faith, and Paul asks Timothy to join his ministry. It's Timothy's call. And if you would, turn with me to Acts chapter 16. And it's here that we're still going to find out some more of the background of Timothy. But this is his call. And in Acts chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra, you could say again, and a disciple there was named Timothy. And I'll just stop there. So Timothy was there, and he had shown maturity. He had shown desire for the Lord. He had shown desire for ministry. He, In fact, it, it's going to even go on and say in verse 2, and he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. And so he was... When it says well spoken of, it doesn't just mean that he was an outstanding young man and, you know, whatever. It means spiritually, somebody that Paul would consider maybe bringing along on his missionary journey. Now, we do find out a little bit about his heritage or his lineage, and I think this is important. You know, sometimes I wonder if we say, well, you know, if you grow up in a Christian home, your father's a Christian, your mother's a Christian, well, I can understand why they would go into the ministry. Well, that's not always the case. Um, and, and sometimes, in some cases, God saves the young person first and then the parents. Here we see this in chapter 16, verse 1. It says he is the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. Well, we already know who that is because it talked about that. And so we find out that uh, his mother was saved at the first time that Paul had gone through there. Um, her name was Eunice, so, and she was Jewish. So we had a Jewish woman who became a Christian, and, and so she became a believer. And it says, but his father was a Greek. Now, at this point, he doesn't add that his father was a believer. I suppose it's possible, but you would think he would have written that as well. And it kind of lets you know there, there was a, a house where uh, there, not everyone in the house, not every leadership in the house believed in Christianity per se. And when, when it would say his father was a Greek, if he was religious, he was probably involved in polytheism, the many Greek gods and things like that. Again, it's, it's pure conjecture. We don't know. But anyway, there, there is something that we're going to see here. In verse 3, we're going to find out that he was not circumcised. Well, this is the problem when a believer marries an unbeliever. And if the husband is the unbeliever, well, these decisions are going to be made according to him. Now, she was Jewish, certainly understood circumcision, that that was right. She's a believer now, even sees that, that uh, you know, it's certainly within the realm of that. But Timothy was not circumcised. So his father was kind of leading that charge. And it says this, verse 3, Paul wanted this man to go with him, and he took him and circumcised him. Now, you don't have to be circumcised to be saved. You don't have to be baptized to be saved. You just have to have faith in Christ. Why in the world would he want him to be circumcised? 
it goes on to say, because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. The reason that he wanted him circumcised was that he would be able to minister to Jews when they went through the places on their missionary journey. They would certainly go into Gentile places, and certainly he could minister there. He was going to be the pastor of a Gentile church, the church at Ephesus, but he was also Jewish, and a Jewish person at that time would have said, you're Jewish or part Jewish, but you're not circumcised. That would have been a stumbling block, and so Paul had him circumcised, and he, he as far as we know, there was no problem. In other words, he willingly wanted to go along in the ministry. And that's quite a commitment saying, okay, I will let you circumcise me because I want to go along in the ministry. That's, that's quite a commitment there. Well, he was not only called, and we not only see this about his heritage, but I want to just mention something about his age. Timothy was a young man. Now, we don't know exactly how young he was, but many suspect that he was either in his late teens, which probably isn't all that bad. I mean, it probably isn't all that bad from maybe that's the truth, or early 20s. Um, the, one of the reasons is, is that Timothy was with Paul from then on the rest of Paul's life, some 20 years. And when writing to him at the end of his ministry, now not, not, the, not the end where he was about to be beheaded, that was 2 Timothy. But 1 Timothy, now this is some 15 years later. In 1 Timothy, you don't have to turn there, chapter 4, verse 12, he says, let no one look down on your youthfulness. Now, he still would have been pretty young in order to say something like that. Let no one look down on your youthfulness. So that would have put him in his early, or early 20s or late teens when he became, a minister, uh, became part of the ministry. By the way, that is a great encouragement for young people to understand, look, you don't need to be a certain age to be involved in some sort of ministry to some degree. If you're a believer... You're ready for ministry. And so that is a great encouragement. We'll actually bring that up again. So after we see his heritage, what about this ministry? What happens in this ministry? So this is Acts chapter 16. You remember years ago, we did the book of Acts. You know, I loved going through the book of Acts. We were in it several years, and, and, and I'm so glad we did. The one thing that I didn't trace carefully was when Timothy was with him and when Timothy was not with him. Now, we mentioned Timothy because we went through the book of Acts, and the book of Acts mentions Timothy. But now we're keying in on Timothy, and I wanted to see when was he with Paul, uh, when did Paul send him somewhere else. And so I put together, looking at the book of Acts, and put together the epistles that were written that mentioned Timothy, to get an idea of Timothy, his ministry, but also his character. Also his character. Now, the first thing they did then when they went from Lystra, they went to Philippi. Now, Timothy's name is not mentioned 
here in this section. The rest of them, they are. But I thought it'd be very interesting. So here's Timothy, kind of new in the ministry. Um, and, you know, he doesn't quite know what to expect. Neither did John Mark. And they go to Philippi. And you know what happens at Philippi, uh, several things. First of all, uh, they meet Lydia and her family and those who went down there to pray, and they were converted. That was Acts 16, 12. They were converted and they came to Christ. They were the first converts. As he continued to preach, what always happens when there's preaching and sound doctrine and work for the Lord, there are dissenters. There are those who go against God and against his work. And Paul and Silas were thrown in jail. Now, Timothy wasn't, but I believe he was there. And you can imagine a young teenager, what, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? doesn't say anything about it, but this is what Timothy witnessed. You know what happened. They were there singing hymns in the middle of the night in prison. I don't know, that, uh, Jack, you and I should have put that in our sermons about encouragement. And they're singing at night, and an earthquake hits by God's divine hand, and the doors open. Well, none of the prisoners run away, but the jailer is concerned, because if they go, he's dead. And he says to Paul, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? The meaning is, what am I going to do? The, the doors are open. How am I going to keep everybody here? You know, he doesn't say those words. All he says is, what, what must I do to be saved? And Paul, you know what Paul's thinking, thank you for this wonderful springboard. And he said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And he was, and the jailer was saved because that was more important than anything else. And so Timothy would have witnessed this, and he would have witnessed the preaching of the gospel and the boldness of the gospel and the persecution coming from the gospel. But getting back to Acts chapter 16, 31, where that's exactly what he said, believe in the Lord and you will be saved. He also understood, which I believe he did before, that salvation is faith alone in Christ alone. He, he didn't say you had to be baptized and believe. He didn't say you had to be circumcised and believe. He didn't say you had to do good works and believe. He said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And so we're kind of finding, you know, this might have been uh, his uh, first theology 101 for Timothy. Well, from Philippi, they leave. And in these next cities that we're going to go to, we're going to see, indeed, Timothy's name is brought up. And there's Philippi, just in case you wanted to know. This is part of his second missionary journey. From there, they're going to go to Thessalonica, and then Berea, and then Athens. So they travel from Philippi, and they go to Thessalonica. By the way, we taught the book of Thessalonians here. Um, and, and they become special. They become my friends. And so they're close friends. And I remember that so so vividly. Um, I knew someone that was from the Berean church, and uh, but I was teaching Thessalonians, and I would often say about how good the Thessalonians were. I mean, they weren't that bad, even though the Bereans were noble-minded. Well, 
a good number of people come to Christ in Thessalonica in a short time. But again, spiritual warfare and dissenters come and they want to persecute Paul. And the believers said, get out of here. So he did. He went to Berea. And there in Berea, it says about the Bereans that they were, these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. Now, again, uh, this verse is scripture. But when we went through Thessalonians, one of the things that Paul said in his letter to the Thessalonians, he said, I don't need to talk to you about sharing the gospel and witnessing to others in the light of persecution because you're already doing it. So, you know, they, they, they weren't scoundrels, okay? And, but here we have the noble-minded Bereans, and, and this is good. What, why were they noble-minded? Because they studied the Bible. That's what we do in a Bible church. That's how we preach. This is what makes you noble-minded. You don't want to be noble-minded? Don't study the scriptures. But they did so because they received the word with great eagerness. They were eager about the word. That's not always the case today, is it? Today we sometimes see that people in churches want programs because they're not so eager for the word. And the word and the time for the word gets smaller and smaller and smaller when in all reality, since... The church is the pillar and buttress of truth, and the truth comes from the word of God. The word of God ought to be the centerpiece of coming to church. And it says that they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. And that was the Bereans. Well, while they were there, guess what happened? Those Dissenters from Thessalonica, they, they weren't happy leaving Paul alone in the next town. They went to Berea, and they started agitating. And again, Paul, at this point, not always, but at this point, he was forced to leave. I don't mean that he was scared, but there were times when it seemed more beneficial for him to go, and there were times when it wasn't so beneficial for him to go to stay it says, then immediately the brethren sent Paul out to go as far as the sea, and Silas and Timothy remained there. So they're there, even though the Thessalonians know who they are. It says, now those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and when receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they left. So Paul is out, and he says, hey, tell those guys who are with me, Silas and Timothy, to meet me in Athens. So that was part of this plan, and that was exactly what happened. Now, next is going to be Athens and Corinth. So they're still on the second missionary journey, but this is where I really feel that, on one sense, Timothy is coming into his own. Is he, is he just, you know, does he just go to Starbucks in the morning and get Paul coffee? Is that what his job was? No, I mean, he was being nurtured for ministry, and we're going to see some of those things happen as he's in this next part of ministry. So he and Silas come down to Athens and go to Corinth, and let's read what happens in Acts 18. 
verse 5. But in Acts 18, 1, it says, After these things, he left Athens and went to Corinth. And then it says, But when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself completely to the word, solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. Here's something that I can, I can pin a title on. We now see Timothy's aiding in the ministry. So there were probably things that had to be taken care of so that Paul could minister himself. And as soon as Silas and Timothy showed up, this is what Paul started doing. You know, Paul was concerned about preaching and teaching the word of God. And these other things were important, but they were secondary. And so we see Timothy, as well as Silas, aiding in all of this. But not just that. While they were in Corinth, Paul writes to Thessalonians. Because you remember when we went through that book, Paul was concerned. I mean, he was only there a few weeks. There's these new believers. There's certainly persecution because he got kicked out of Thessalonica. He's worried about them. And so he writes at this time, First and Second Thessalonians, and it's here that we see that Timothy is mentioned. Paul and Sylvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians. So we see that. And then we find out something else. We find out that Timothy was sent to Thessalonica to find out how they were doing. So Timothy now is not just aiding Paul, but he's part of the ministry. And he goes there to strengthen the Thessalonians. And of course, when he does, and then he comes back and he reports to Paul that they're doing unbelievable, you have these letters, First and Second Thessalonians, which show that they're getting close to the Bereans. Well, this was Timothy, and now we see Timothy, we put a title over it, Timothy is strengthening the churches, he's encouraging the churches. So this is part of his ministry, this young man, and he's a young man. And it could be intimidating for him to go there and talk to these church leaders and encourage them. He's, he's talking to them and, and encouraging them and strengthening them. And they could say, well, who are you? You're just a young man. But, you know, he did it. He did the job. Whether they thought that or not or whether he was intimidated or not, he still did it. And then what we also find is that while they're in Corinth, so he comes back from Thessalonica, from Thessalonica, Paul writes those letters. But while they're in Corinth, we see some teaching going on by Paul, by Silas, and by Timothy. We see some preaching going on. So Timothy is preaching now. And I know where it says in 2 Timothy that, you know, he has this, can have struggle with the spirit of timidity. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what that may mean. But he's still preaching, you know. It's like you being asked to give devotions at the men's breakfast, and you're not really all that comfortable with it, but you do it anyway, and guess what happens? You are blessed, and so are the men. That's what we have here with Timothy. It says in 2 Corinthians, when Paul writes the letter to them, he says, For the Son of God, Christ Jesus, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silvanus and Timothy. So Timothy is preaching. He's part. This is the this is the his first missionary journey. 
but he's preaching, and we see him being active. But we also find some other things. We also find that after they leave Corinth, to, they go to Ephesus, which I didn't mark that, but just follow that arrow from Corinth. So that's Ephesus there. They go to Ephesus. Uh, he sends Timothy back to Corinth. So Timothy's role now is, you know, Paul is concerned. There's converts in these churches. He's worried about persecution. He wants to see how they're doing. He wants to strengthen them. And now Timothy is sent again. He's sent to the church of Corinth. And let me tell you, that is the church of high maintenance. We have two epistles in the scriptures. It is believed that there were some four epistles to Corinthians because they, they needed a lot of instruction. And what we find in some of these verses, it says, for this reason I have sent to you Timothy, this is the, in the letter of 1 Corinthians, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. So Paul's ways, Paul's principles, Paul's teaching, and the practice of that teaching, that's what Timothy went to tell those people at Corinth. And they were kind of high and mighty, uppity people, very prideful, not so concerned about spiritual things. And so that was a bold thing, and he was sent there. He... Paul writes to the Corinth and says, Now if Timothy comes, see that he is with you without cause to be afraid. Okay, so he's young. He probably has a little bit of timidity. All right, we all have a little bit of timidity. And, and, and so he, Paul is saying with his apostolic authority, you better not give him a hard time. For he is doing the Lord's work as I also am. So there's a sense now where as far as ministry to go, goes, he has elevated Timothy on the same level. He, it's not saying that Timothy is an apostolic authority, not saying that at all, but Timothy is, is engaged in ministry. And, and, and I'm all, at this point, I'm going, yeah, Timothy's one of my new heroes. You know, we, we know Paul, he's my hero, and David is, of course, our hero. And yeah, Timothy, he's, he's come right in now. He, I mean, this young man is going out, and he's going, going for it. And then later on in 2 Corinthians, we see that Timothy completed those tasks and he's with Paul because in 2 Corinthians, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. So Timothy was with Paul. So he had completed that. So we really begin to see what, how he's developing in ministry. And, you know, you don't necessarily get this when you're going through the book of Acts. I mean, it says these things, but you're more looking at Paul. You're looking at what's happening. You know, is Paul getting stoned again? Is Paul being left for dead again? Is Paul being shipwrecked again? But here we're looking specifically at Timothy, a bibliography, if you will. Well, the conclusion of the second missionary journey uh, ends about A.D. 52. And the third missionary begins right away. Paul hesitates not a bit. He doesn't let any grass grow under his feet. As soon as he lets the church know what great things God has done, boom, he's right out in missionary work. 
And so is Timothy. Timothy is with him this whole time, even though he sends Timothy out to these churches, even in difficult areas. And so they make their way to Ephesus again, and, and that's going to be a highlight. Uh, that's a highlight because he's going to spend three years at Ephesus. Now, we know quite a bit about the Ephesians, don't we? Because we just finished the book of Ephesians. So, you know what? If, if there's anything that I'm so thankful for is, is to say that we've gone through these books of the Bible. Really, you know, we're hunters and we, we bag trophies. And, and yeah, we, you know, we, we enjoy that and we may tell each other. But really, deep down in my soul, what really matters is what have I taught? What have I taught in this church? You know, how have I built up this church by teaching them things? And by the way, when I first came here, we taught the book of Romans. I was teaching the book of Romans at the other church that I was at, and I was halfway through. When I come, came to this church, I said, I said to the elders, I said, so you want me to just go like right where I stopped at the other church? And Dave Allison says, no, start from the beginning of the book of Romans. I love that. And I did. And so this, this is, you, you talk about the joy, the joy you may have in life. These are my joys that I'm going through these specific books. And um, so now, now we've gone through the book of Ephesians. We know how mature they are. Paul spends three years there, and that's one of the reasons why they are so mature. By the way, Timothy is going to become the pastor at Ephesus. Not yet, but that's what's going to happen. And we... We, we find out about this ministry. And one of the things is that Timothy is with him there. Uh, and he's getting to know the people. And, he, and he, I'm, I'm assuming he's part of the ministry there and doing some teaching. Uh, uh, Timothy, uh, we don't have anybody for our Sunday school hour. So Timothy, um, as soon as we're watch, done watching the videos, is stand firm from the Ligonier Conference. Timothy, I need you to teach Sunday school. Well, so he was there for three years, got to know these people, and it becomes very reasonable that Paul would say, Timothy, we need somebody to be the pastor in Ephesus. Will you go? You know them. They're comfortable with you. You're comfortable with them being comfortable with you. Will you go? And so he does at some point. We find out that even while he's there, Paul still has some of the same work. I, I need you to go to Macedonia again. I need you to uh, go to Macedonia and see how the churches are doing there. So we always talk about Paul um, on his missionary journey of how he's strengthening the churches from city to city, and he does. But he also sent others to do the same, and Timothy is one of those. It says, and having sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. Well, you, you have to love his administration, but you have to love his heart, his heart for ministry. He, he was concerned about the sheep. He didn't want any of the sheep straying from the fold. He didn't want any of the, the sheep to be influenced by false teachers. And he sends young Timothy. That's quite quite a, uh, an important thing. Now, after that, they 
go to Philippi, and then they go to Troas, and Timothy's name is mentioned there in chapter 20, verses 4 and 6. And we find out, really, that Timothy stays with him the entire time, but the book of Acts ends. The book of Acts ends before the life of Paul and his ministry ends. And it ended at chapter 28, verses 30 through 30 and 31. And he was imprisoned in Rome. Now, even though Timothy's name is not mentioned there specifically, of course he's with him. And, and when, every other time when he was in these other situations, uh, it, it was Timothy who was ministering to their needs for sure. But it says at the end of Acts, and he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters, and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God. This is Paul. Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness, unhindered. Of course that's Paul. That's why he's also one of our heroes. Well, Timothy is, is with him and is ministering to him. And it's at Rome, while he, Paul is in prison, that he writes the prison epistles. There are four, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, and Ephesians. But in the first three are the only three that Timothy is mentioned because I think Paul had another ministry for Timothy and sent him out. But Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. And we're usually thinking of just Paul, but from now on, we're going to be clued in to Timothy. Paul and Timothy bondservants of Christ Jesus. So now Timothy gets the title, the glorious title. We've gone through this of a bondservant. This is what you are called if you are truly a servant of the Lord. That's in Philippians. Colossians, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, and even in the book of Philemon. But he doesn't mention him in the book to the Ephesians, and it could be because he had other things to do, or he may have sent him at that time to be the pastor there in Ephesians. He sends Titus to Crete, and he, and he sends a pastoral epistle to, to, to Titus. Now, I have taught the book of Titus, and it's awesome. I, I, unfortunately, I haven't had time to teach it here. Maybe we're just going to spend, we're going to spend the whole decade in the pastoral epistles. I don't know. And it doesn't really matter, does it? Because there are good things for us to learn. And who's going anywhere? I mean, what is it? Uh, what's, what's the big hurry? I mean, let's learn it and learn it right. Or else I'll get Jack out here to preach the sermon again. The same, same sermon. Till we get it right. Well, th now we come to we come to Paul's imprisonment in Rome, and he writes those letters. But Paul is released. That is a, a key, and we talked about that. Doesn't say that in the book of Acts, but we can put that together with the other epistles. So when Paul writes the first letter to Timothy, Paul is in Macedonia. He's back. He's back checking on the churches. And Timothy is in Ephesus as the pastor. And so this is where he writes to him. And as we had uh, Barry read that to us about, you know, I'm, I'm sending this to Timothy, my son. So he's out of prison and he writes that. Later, about maybe four years later or so, 
We don't know the dates exactly. Paul is imprisoned again in Rome. And this time it's for good because he's going to be beheaded by Nero. But he writes his last letter to anyone, and it is the second letter to his beloved son in the Lord, Timothy. And this is when he says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. He says, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so Paul's life is ended in martyrdom and being beheaded. Now, there's one little excursus left. And that is, we believe that after Paul's death, at some point, Timothy himself was imprisoned. We don't know where, we don't know the circumstances, but Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 23. We believe this is later than Paul. So maybe I'm saying Paul didn't write the book of Hebrews. Or maybe he wrote the book of Hebrews, but it wasn't published until his death. I'm just kidding with you. But we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews other than the Holy Spirit, which it says. And the Holy Spirit says. We find out in the book of Hebrews 13, it says, take notice that our brother Timothy has been released with whom, if he comes soon, I will see you. Now, I plan to talk about the authorship a little bit. I'm not going to go there now. Talk, I want to talk about the occasion for writing. We're not going to go there now. We're just going to go to the applications, if you will. So authorship is important. And it's generally accepted that Paul wrote the letters to, to Timothy, has his name in it. But there's always dissenters. And it's not as if I think that we need to know this because you're going to lose your faith. But in case you're ever talking to anyone, we'll talk about the authorship. And then why did he write these pastoral epistles in the first place? We'll talk about that, what this is about. We'll talk about that next week. But I want to bring out some applications. The first one is the encouragement to young Timothy, the encouragement to the young. You know what that shows us, that Timothy is involved in ministry? You know what that shows? It's not about age, how young or old. It's not about that. It's not about status, whether you own a business or you're a businessman or you're the CEO of a company. That's not what it's about. It's about your spirituality. In fact, in 1 Timothy, Paul will give the qualifications for elders and it will not say anything about give me your former jobs and how much money you earned and what, what things that you have done. It's all about character. It's all about spiritual qualifications. And here we have a young man who is fitting the bill of those young qualifications. So I know that as a young person, you're here at church, your, your, your parents are here and you're under your parents' authority. Good for you. That's the first thing you need to do. If you want to be a man after God's own heart, if you want to be a spiritual young person, but it doesn't mean that you can't get involved in ministry. It doesn't mean that you can't work on studying the Bible. It doesn't mean that you can't work on your character. In fact, it said when he came back two years later, Paul, on his second journey, 
came back two years later, it says that Timothy was well spoken of by the brethren. Okay, they didn't ask his boss at IGA about him. He asked the brethren, what do you think of this guy, Timothy? Man, he, this, this, he, I know he's young, but this, he's got it on the ball. He loves the Lord. He loves the word. He, I think he wants to go and join you in the ministry. Maybe, maybe that was said. And maybe that's the way it is with you. You can have a heart for ministry. Um, I've heard of, of several people in this congregation, young people, who have said, I want to be a missionary when I grow up. Good for you. By the way, every time Stella comes, she does repeat one thing. That missionaries are dying off in Japan and they're not being replaced by younger missionaries. There is a need. There is a need for missionaries. And there's a need for pastors. There's a need there's a need for pastors. There's a need for pastors who sat under a pastor who preached expository sermons that you not only know the book, you not only know how to live it, but you know how to teach it. You know how to teach expositorily. That's what we need. And, and so we have an encouragement here for the young people. We get that from the life of Timothy. Also, too, if you've been memorizing Philippians, our memory verses, it says in chapter 2, verse 19, but I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly. Of course, Timothy's the guy that goes out and strengthens the churches. So that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. Paul had a shepherd's heart. Paul was, had a heart for, for, the, for the sheep, for the believers. And watch what he says. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. Just, there's no one like Paul, and evidently there's no one like Timothy. Timothy had a pastor's heart. You can have this heart. You can be developed. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. I should really check to see when that was written. Was that written recently? Was that written about the churches that are going on now? And we're not concerned about the word. The word is getting squashed and, and put off to the side. It's not important. But guess what band we're bringing in today? But you know of his, Timothy's, proven worth that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. I'm telling you, such... Affectionate words have never been written. Um, this is fantastic. And this is what you can be doing as a young person. And let me encourage you with that. And if you ever need any help at all, any assistance, any direction, I'm sure your parents will be glad to do it, but I would be glad to do it, as would any of the elders. Because as elders, we are supposed to be, according to 1 Timothy, we are to be all about spiritual growth. Not that we don't. Not that we don't look at other things, but the other things are not to be the most important thing. Spiritual growth is the more, most important thing. Well, secondly, there was an encouragement to Timothy personally about his timidity. And it's an encouragement to the timid. Now, he doesn't necessarily write that in 1 Timothy, 
But he writes it in 2 Timothy, which means you mean to tell me after all this time, he still has to talk to Timothy about Timothy's shyness, Timothy's timidity, but he's preached, he's taught, he's strengthened, he's aided, he's a pastor. Yeah, yeah, he still had to talk to him. He says this in 2 Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but a power, dunamis, English word dynamite, but a power and love and discipline. And these are the things that even Timothy, at his ripe old young age, had to continue to work on. Now, I, I, have, to, I have to wrap my mind around this a little bit. What does he mean by timidity? I'll tell you what he doesn't mean. Just because Timothy may have been shy and timid, doesn't mean that he was scared or a coward. He did not leave the ministry like John Mark did. John Mark saw a little bit of persecution. He was out of there. Well, the first city they go to with Timothy, there Paul and, and Silas are in jail. And he saw many, many other things. And he may have even seen, even at the very beginning of his life, he, he may have seen these things. You know, on that, on that second missionary journey, um, we, we, we see that he had many stripes and, and he, he was beaten. And, um, you know, he, he writes in 2 Corinthians about, you know, the many times that I've been shipwrecked and, and in danger and received the lashes five times uh, been beaten, stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. And the majority of them, Timothy was on. He was not a coward. So his timidity did not mean that. And you know, Paul, if you remember, I got to share this because I thought of this this week and I said, this is one of my favorite things. I got to say this. You remember the time when Paul was stoned and left for dead. Now, we all probably look up to big Jake, John Wayne. He, we look up to him. What a man he was. But nowadays we also look up to others, uh, you know, uh, ver various others that we see are good. But no one is like the Apostle Paul. Not even Chuck Norris. By the way, did you hear that Chuck Norris was exposed to covid COVID had to be quarantined for two weeks. Paul was left for dead, but he wasn't dead. And he gets up and he goes back into the city. And, and, and Timothy is aware of all of this. And he did not leave like John Mark did. So we can't say his timidity is that he's a coward. He's not. Maybe he, he is shy. Maybe he, he is a little shy, but he does preach and he teach. And I know people like that. I, I know people that are, are shy until you get to know them. And, um, you know, and, and they just talk and talk and talk. And they talk about the Lord. And you're thinking, man, this, this person needs to share a devotional. But they're scared to death. I get it. Okay. All right. So, you know, I push, but I don't push too hard, you know. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe the older I get, maybe one of these days I'm just going to say, you don't have a choice anymore. By the way, when you come to me for 
marriage counseling, you must do devotions in front of your future wife and in front of your pastor because we're trying to get you ready to go for your, your marriage and your spiritual life. And I, I would say all of the young men have done great. They've done great. Well, may, maybe it is his speech, but he did those things, and, and certainly can the, can the Holy Spirit work through him? And, and you know, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe when he preached, he was monotone. Um, we had a professor at our Bible college that was monotone in class and monotone when he preached, and at first it was hard. But when you got to know him, and when you got to know what he said, I don't care, I don't care how monotone it was. It was fantastic. You know, it's about spiritual growth, beloved. It's about a love of the word. It's not about how charismatic your pastor is. It's about, does he teach the word? Is he faithful in study? Is he faithful in bringing it? Is he not ashamed to say the truth of it? That's what matters. And it's going to be said in the book of Timothy that I'm writing to you so that you know how to conduct yourselves in the household of God, the pillar of truth. That's what Timothy is about. So it may have been, it may have been a, a shyness of some sort. And, and, but you know what? We just got done talking about David. And David wrote things about how fearful he was, about how depressed he was. He had the right idea. He said, oh, soul, why are you downcast when God is the most perfect and powerful being? What's wrong with you, soul? And he says, as far as fear goes, he writes in regard to his fear, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Think about it. The Lord is the defense of my life. Who shall I dread? And the reason that he's writing those things is because he was fearing and dreading. So it's not uncommon to see these things crop up every now and then depending on the situation. But I want to tell you something. Do you know where boldness in preaching comes from? It comes from studying the word over and over and over. Now I know that there are certain doctrines that are not the primary doctrines, and we can agree to disagree. But I'm telling you what, when you study them for years and years and years, I'm sorry, I'm dogmatic in the soul. I, I will be nice, and I will say we, will, we can all agree to disagree. But I'm telling you, don't push me, because I'll say, but you're wrong. And so you, you get a boldness from your preaching. You get a boldness when you see it over and over. And when you see things happening in the world and you don't want them to come in, you, you, you do get emotional about it and you do say something about it. So I, I bet that was the same thing for Timothy. And then last encouragement to parents. You know that it says in 2 Timothy, and I know I'm reaching ahead, but in 2 Timothy, it talks about the being brought up according to the scriptures, being taught the scriptures. You are helping your child be bold by teaching them the scriptures over and over and over because they say, yeah, I know that. That's not true. What you just said is not doctrinally true. I know that and you're starting it 
at a young age. And here we see an example. Sure, I get it. You hear about, yeah, we were under the word and we had Christian parents or my parents, the father was a pastor. And you see that maybe they didn't walk the fine line uh, in, the, in their later years. Uh, you hear those. But there's many, many more that people are committed to the Lord because their fathers teach them the word. You know what? There's nothing more important, you know, and, and forgive me, men. You know, I know, I, I know hunting, I, I, I love hunting just as much, and I used it as a time to be with my boys and daughter one time. And um, we, <laughs> um, it is a good time. And yeah, you could talk to them about spiritual things, but I'm telling you what, what you do in your home with the word of God, making them sit down and listen and discuss it, that is what makes and develops them into the Christians that they ought to be. So we've got quite a journey here, and, and we can learn from Timothy uh, the encouragement if we're young or old, but be spiritual. Encouragement of timidity or shyness or whatever. Well, God gives us power, and the more we preach it, the more dogmatic, and for parents to encourage their children in the word. We'll pick up part two next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you now for our new hero, Timothy. Thank you for this young, faithful man who was an example even to older Christians. Thank you, Father, for his ministry. Thank you for this letter in 2 Timothy as well. Father, we will learn a lot about doctrine. We will learn about church polity and ecclesiastical instruction. We will learn about personal application. So thank you, Father, for this. And I just pray you use this mightily in our church, but most importantly in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.